Welcome to you all this evening. I'm glad you're uh, willing to undergo a study that may be somewhat challenging, but uh, it's of tremendous importance. Um, Let me pray for us and then I'll begin. Father, um, how good it is to call you our Heavenly Father and to know the comfort of being your children that you're one full of kindness. And though as a wholesome father, you chasten us from time to time, it is for our good. And we pray that even in that, we would know your love. This is a subject we're undertaking that is fraught with difficulty and causing uh, deep sorrow in the world, deep confusion. And we pray that we would Think carefully about your word says and how we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we pray that this study would glorify you and would be helpful to us to love you and serve you and to love and serve others. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, the um, I want to put a syllabus in the chat, when I've done this before, apparently, um, if a person wasn't on when I did it, they didn't get the information. But if people come on later and anybody notices, will you uh, let me know that and I'll do it again. Um, All right. So it should mean now that you have on your screen the chat uh, window opened and um, a PDF of the syllabus. If you can, you can open it uh, and download it to your own computer. And this will be our guide for uh, the topics we'll take up. Tonight, we're going to do um, uh, a brief introduction. I'm going to give you some of uh, the context for this issue in the PCA and its historical background. And then we're going to turn to the um, prelude of the uh, preamble of the document and get that far into the text tonight. Um, But to uh, what we have before us is uh, an ad interim committee report of the PCA on human sexuality. It was prepared for the 48th General Assembly that was to have met in June of 2020. But the Assembly had to postpone its meeting because of COVID. And um, the uh, committee had finished its work and was prepared to report at that time. Uh, But now this report won't be officially uh, presented to the Assembly until whenever the Assembly meets in 2021. As of right now, it's June, although it's hard to believe that's going to hold. Nevertheless, the committee wanted to make the report available straight away uh, because of the pressing needs of our church on this subject and of society. It was the committee's prayer that the uh, sense of unity they had around God's word, which uh, we'll see was surprising to them, um, 
the uh, that it would be reflected in what they've written, and that it would be helpful to God's people for our unity, witness, and mission, uh, uh, the mission of the church and her people. So that was their goal for releasing it early. Now, a little context, and uh, we want to ask, what is an ad interim committee? Uh, And that's going to require a little ecclesiology light, so I hope you can forbear with me on this. Uh, Just a few principles to articulate to help set the stage of where something like an odd interim committee study report uh, falls. First of all, as Presbyterians, we insist, along with most evangelicals, that Jesus is the Lord of the church, and as such, he governs his church by word and spirit. Uh, That means the word of God, the Bible, is the only rule for faith and practice in the church. Um, Now, for a variety of reasons, uh, the church, the visible church on earth, is divided into many churches, some geographical, some historical, some uh, because of differences of conviction, some because of sin, divided into many churches and to denominations. The PCA is one denomination among the branches of the visible church, and it is in particular a constitutional denomination. That is to say, since all churches uh, that are evangelical at least claim the Bible as a source of their self-understanding, what a constitutional church does is sets forth its shared understanding among its teachers and people of some of the most important elements of doctrine and life that it affirms in the Bible. It sets it forth in a constitutional standard, which typically includes a doctrinal standard and a form of government discipline and worship. Uh, By this, uh, uh, such a church sets before the world their agreed-upon understanding of some of the core elements that Jesus leads us to. Such denominations as we are governed, therefore, in the most fundamental matters uh, by laws, not by this world, the governors. The governors themselves are accountable to those laws. I say laws in quotes, they're really regulation. Uh, The church is never a lawgiver the way uh, we have the law of God for us in the Bible. In the PCA, we are governed by our Confession of Faith and Catechisms and our Book of Church Order, which book includes our form of government, discipline, and worship. Our church is governed by councils of elders. There's the local church's council of elders we call the session. There's the regional council of elders we call the presbytery. And then there's the National Council of Elders, which we call the General Assembly. Each one of these bodies is essentially constituted of the same members and thus has essentially the same powers. They're all councils of elders. But each of these bodies in their jurisdiction is to govern under the constitution of the church with respect to um, 
the particulars that we have decided can be best accomplished at the national level, the regional level, or the local level. The Constitution itself can only be changed by an action of one General Assembly, uh, the agreement of a certain portion of the presbyteries in a year intervening, and then the approval and enactment by a subsequent General Assembly. Uh, That's the only way the Constitution can be changed. The General Assembly does authoritatively settle disputes about the Constitution in cases set before it. And the General Assembly may appoint a committee to study and report on some matter of concern. It is ad interim, a Latin phrase that just means temporary, It's a temporary committee as opposed to permanent committees in the assembly. And it's appointed only to deal with an issue, report, and then be dismissed. Now here's the point I'm working toward. These studies do not have of themselves constitutional authority. And thus they do not become part of the law of the church. And this is a crucial matter. These are to be helpful for the good of the church to receive and read, but it's the Constitution that governs governs us. They ought to be thoughtfully referred to whenever uh, folk are deliberating on these subjects, uh, but they're not finally authoritative. Now, the PCA in its history has had a number of these uh, authoritative study committees, and uh, I mean study committees, and um, I wanted for you to um, be able to refer to that and to see it, Um, and so I'm going to put in the chat a link that will take you to um, the Presbyterian Historical Society for our denomination, and um, there you'll be able to see a fair number of uh, study reports that have been delivered to the denomination on a host of varied kind of subjects. Now, here uh, I have to make my confession. In most cases, I am a study committee skeptic, and for, I think, good reasons. Folks have a tendency to use these study reports to the neglect of, or even in contradiction to, the constitution of the church. And that's entirely improper. They have also been proposed from time to time in the history of Presbyterianism as a stealth way to give a minority view a greater hearing than it deserves. These study committees can be quite expensive to the church, And their work product is typically widely varied in value. And thus, if committee members, uh, and further, if committee members cannot agree on how to treat the subject, their effect can be quite divisive. Thus, as has been my habit over many years, I voted against the appointment of the Ad Interim Committee on Human Sexuality. However, 
I have to admit that I was more than a little bit surprised by the report that's now before us that we're intending to study. In my estimation, this is an outstanding piece of work. Perhaps the most cogent and useful General Assembly study paper I've ever read, and I think I've read them all. Um, And I have no doubt that it would be profitable for every member of the PCA to read it as we face increasing cultural chaos on these subjects. As I wrote to the committee chairman, I'm grateful for our Lord's providential care for you men and your labors. I must admit, in my weak faith, I absolutely feared the worse. Either a mealy-mouthed sentimentalizing that compromised scripture teaching, or a hammer-and-tongs majority versus minority report that would divide the assembly. I thought the outcome was but a roll of the dice, but I forgot that the lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. And uh, I think in God's providence, this effort has been wonderfully blessed. Now, it's it came about in part, not only because of our cultural situation, but because of a particular state of affairs in the PCA. In July of 2018, Memorial Presbyterian Church, uh, a PCA congregation in St. Louis, part of Missouri Presbytery, hosted a conference called Revoice. The stated purpose of Revoice is, quote, from their literature, supporting, encouraging, and empowering gay, lesbian, same-sex attracted, and other LGBT Christians so they can experience the life-giving character of the historic Christian tradition. This was publicized and uh, it led to a a good bit of discussion and Many individual critics, some sessions, some presbyteries raised with Missouri Presbytery concerns that some of the positions advanced, especially those related to the doctrine of sin, the doctrine of humanity and regeneration and sanctification, uh, and some of the language used is counterproductive for reaching homosexuals uh, for Christ and calling those who struggle with same-sex attractions to repentance and holiness, and is contrary to biblical doctrines as expressed in the Westminster Standards. They alleged that the session of Memorial Presbyterian Church aired when it gave over its facilities and pulpit to the leaders of this conference. They failed to uh, properly uh, examine who would be speaking and what their points of view were, and subsequently thus failed to halt the doctrinal errors from going forth from its facilities and pulpit, and they failed after the conference had ended uh, to openly repudiate these errors. Well, um, this was in July. By uh, October of 2018, because of increasing questions and concerns raised uh, with Missouri Presbytery and in the broader church, Missouri created an ad hoc committee to investigate the congregation uh, for hosting the Revoice Conference. Uh, that investigation began and went on through the conclusion of that year year and into the spring 
and it was hotly debated and criticized uh, in different parts of the church. And it was in this context then, in June 2019, that the 47th General Assembly in Dallas adopted a recommendation uh, that came from Chicago Metro Presbytery um, that uh, the assembly appoint an Adderham committee, uh, the moderator ruling out Elder Howard Donahue, um, appointed seven voting members uh, who uh, are teaching elders or ruling elders of the PCA, and it was to have at least three teaching and at least three ruling elders. Uh, in your literature, in the report itself, you can see um, the committee that was appointed. Um, some of the names you may know, of course, Brian Chapel, formerly uh, president of uh, Covenant Seminary, uh, pastor of longstanding, and now the stated clerk-elect of the PCA. Uh, Kevin DeYoung, you may know of from uh, his many books, now pastoring in North Carolina and uh, a professor at Form Seminary. Derek Halverson, president of Covenant College, very able and thoughtful man, and you probably know the name of Tim Keller, of of course, from his books and his work in New York City. There are biographies for all these folk as an attachment to the report. But I will say that my friend Howie uh, did an outstanding job in picking folk for this, and that was the first heartening thing to happen. This is really a, a committee of outstanding men. Um, they met uh, through uh, from the time they were appointed through to the, their report at, to be at, to be at the twentieth assembly. They had eight meetings to do so, and um, they were given their assignment not to study human sexuality in general, but very specifically related to these questions of homosexuality. Here, here are some of the things that they were assigned to do. They were to prepare an annotated bibliography on this subject to be a help to all parts of the church. They were to study the nature of temptation, sin, repentance, and the difference between the Roman Catholic and Reformed understandings of concupiscence as it regards same-sex attraction. They were to study the propriety of using terms like gay Christian when referring to believers struggling with same-sex attraction. They were to um, look into and comment on the so-called practice of spiritual friendship among the same-sex attracted Christians. They were to analyze Westminster Larger Catechism 138 and 139 with respect to same-sex attraction giving careful attention to the compatibility of the seventh commandment and same-sex attraction and the pursuit of celibacy by those attracted to the same sex. They were to give careful attention to the exegesis of the terms used in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 that have to do with sexuality, the Greek terms, and they were to suggest ways to articulate and defend a biblical understanding of homosexuality same-sex attraction, transgenderism in the context of a culture that denies that understanding. Well, it's this study that I hope for us to look at very carefully. Um, 
if you've looked at the syllabus, you can see my intention, at least right now, is to have 13 sessions on the subject. Uh, it's heavily freighted up front to a very careful examination of the 12 statements produced. Uh, it may be, however, that we find on experience we can move more quickly, and if we can, I would certainly be happy to do so. But on the other hand, these are uh, difficult, complex subjects that take uh, care and patience in thinking them through. And uh, so in any case, you'll see that it's my intention that we'll finish uh, in um, on June 23rd, if all goes well and or unless we can speed up. Uh, on June 30th, um, the General Assembly will meet in St. Louis, Missouri, as the plan is right now. There are all kinds of ironies associated with that. But in any case, what I'd like to do is now turn to the preamble on page three of the report. But before I do so, let me um, pause and let you ask me any questions about uh, the introduction, about um, our uh, context um, ecclesiastically, uh, the history leading up to it, or the uh, our plan for study. Any thoughts, questions, comments uh, that you'd like to raise? Hey, Dave. Yes. Um, can you explain uh, in just a little bit more detail how the members of the committee were selected and on what basis? They're selected by the moderator of the General Assembly. And he, uh, as is considered usually to be one of some standing in the church, has a wide awareness of uh, folk and who they are and what they're about. And uh, and uh, he had some concern to make sure that uh, within the breadth of the PCA's orthodoxy, that there would be a wide uh, perspective um, but it's all up to him. He, of course, counseled with uh, leaders in all parts of the PCA. But Very good. Other thoughts? Dave, I'll, uh, just a couple of things. One, just kind of administrative. For some reason, your link didn't come through on, on the syllabus, and I know some people joined since you sent it out. Oh. Maybe you send it out again. I don't know why, but I never got the chat message. All right, let me try again. Um, and then I, I've read most of the report. I haven't quite finished it yet. Um, and I, I would just kind of echo your, uh, maybe I don't have quite your, quite your, your, uh, this, this case for, for an interim reports. I don't know enough about them in general, in general <laughs> to have, to have an informed, informed opinion, but. I, I did think as I read through this that it was extremely well balanced. It, it dealt very strongly with the theological issues, but also realizing that there's a need to care for people who are struggling with these things. And I thought that, in my mind, did a, an amazing job doing both. Mm. Well, thank you, Steve. Now, I've sent it again. Do you see it on your... <laughs> I am... For some reason, like I got your link, and other people say they got it, but I am not getting. No, that's the link to the PCA. I got the PCA history link, 
but I'm not getting the report. Maybe maybe I'll just you can just email it to me later. All right. Well, it it does come up in a different place. It 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 does. Huh? Can anybody else see the? I, I didn't get it, Dave, in my chat. Neither did we. Well, what, how about did anyone get it? Dave, I got it uh, twice, and I was able to download it. So yeah, huh. I got it twice. Yeah, so <laughs> that's a I mystery. I got it once. I got it twice. Yeah, so it's really. I'd be glad to wait and get it when you send it out in an email. All right. Um, yeah. Hmm. I'll just send you an email saying, can you email yes. it to me? Yes. Will you do that? If you need to get the syllabus, will you email me, any of you? Uh, that way I won't have to try and figure it out, and I can just link it and send it right back to you. I'm sorry this isn't working. Fred and I tested it this afternoon, and it seemed to work. But I, Is it a difference between iPad and um and other kinds of receptors, I wonder. Well, I'm, on an... well, I'm on an iPad, but I, I didn't get the first one, but I did get the second one. Oh. Yeah, and I didn't get either, so. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Steve. That's, that's right. I, I guess I'm just special. <laughs> Any other questions or comments uh, at this point? I don't see anybody... Seeking the floor. Let me just do one thing here. Um, all right, great. Oh, do you see Deb's remark um, that for her, she received it as a PDF file to be downloaded? I don't know if that's different than. Oh well. Um, well, let's press on. Now we're at the preamble. Um, and um, you'll see here that they repeat that their task wasn't to address the whole question of human sexuality, uh, but it was limited to the particular concerns that uh, were troubling our denomination at the moment. And the second paragraph um, articulates most of what I laid out for you as um, their report. Um, and so I won't rehearse that again, but you'll have looked at that and you can see the kinds of things we're going to be treating. Um, they note, uh, and you could almost hear, feel the weariness uh, in them when they mentioned the list of topics being long. And um, they, uh, of course, any study committee uh, bears a burden in that for the study really to be any of use broadly to the church, it can't be a thousand pages. Um, and on the other hand, with a subject like this, as complex as it is, as uh, uh, controversial as it is, they've got to show that they know what they're talking about and they've covered the ground. So what they've decided to do is in the preamble and in the 12 statements they would get the most concise version of what they wanted to say out that could be easily reproduced and passed around to people. And I thought since uh, we were um, so well-practiced in concise theology that uh, we could take the time to unpack these terse uh, points. The, a couple of them are, will be very familiar to you. 
Others are much more uh, of, um, of greater depth in terms of theological investigation into the subject and uh, will want to slow down and take some time so that you can profit from it. Um, these um, uh, are summaries, this preamble and the 12 statements are summaries of what they thought was most important to say on the subject. And they also provide the framework for all the other parts of the report. That's why we're going to put, give most of our attention to this beginning section uh, on the um, on the uh, 12 statements. Um, the, um, they are hoping that a careful uh, understanding of biblical and confessional argumentation will help to bring clarity and unity on these subjects in our churches, with our families and our f- friends. And... Um, we know how easily it is for people to become uh, seriously divided on this subject. Um, they've also, they say, gathered uh, a number of ec- essays to explore more fully uh, the issues assigned by the assembly. And they want, want us to notice that uh, um, they didn't go over the, those essays with a fine-tooth comb to try and get everybody to agree to every part of it. Uh, so every part isn't endorsed by the committee, but they're endorsed as that which will be helpful to explain the understandings that are behind the 12 statements. Then they make reference to the annotated bibliography. I've already mentioned to you the qualification there. They, they want the material to be adapted to many different kinds of audiences, uh, pastors, scholars, parents, and children. That's a huge task. Uh, but I think they've done a good job um, to get a broad representation of important material. And they have, and, and you'll see this in their annotations, they've even chosen some things that they don't agree with, uh, but they thought you ought to know of if you're to be aware of where the current discussion lies. Um Probably the most helpful part of this preamble, uh, or at least so it strikes me, are the two concerns that they lay out, uh, the tasks and fears. Uh, We could summarize the tasks uh, as a juxtaposition between the need to be pastoral and the need to be polemic, and we could uh, summarize the fears uh, by the conflict, um, uh, the fear of being cruel or the fear of being compromising. And they note uh, that these are all intricately related to one another and will, in our study, want to keep our eye on this, and in particular on uh, what they think the solution is. So the two tasks, there's the pastoral task and the apologetic task. Uh, The report uh, is to help pastors and sessions uh, to shepherd those who are dealing with same-sex attractions and uh, not only pastors and shepherds, but uh, parents and friends and so on. Uh, So that's a crucial element that the assembly wanted wanted addressed. And yet at the same time, 
They wanted to hear ways to articulate and defend a biblical understanding of homosexuality, etc. In the context of a culture that denies that understanding and in fact sees that understanding as a a, a pathology, as a form of wickedness um, and uh, is increasingly antagonistic uh, to even having a presence in the culture. Uh, they notice um, that these two tasks, uh, sometimes even in the church, are pitted against each other. Uh, but they don't think that's necessary. Both are biblical callings to be pastoral and to uh, be a ple- polemicist. Um, but they notice it's complicated because of the fears that are associated. Uh, the fears to be uh, cruel or compromising. Um, and the fact is, uh, some people experience one or the other of those fears uh, more robustly, and that leads to division and a failure to uh, be able to understand each other. So what, what's one set? Well, it's that um, if you speak the truth, it'll seem harsh and unfeeling toward people who've been wounded. Uh, wounded sometimes by the church and the way the church behaves. And of course, I hope you've all seen and been horrified by that Baptist church um, from out in the Midwest somewhere that uh, was um, protesting at funerals and so on during the AIDS crisis. Um, um, And and so not only afraid of being cruel, but of reinforcing the cultural narrative that Orthodox Christian belief is toxic, that it does harm to people. Uh, And that's a a very legitimate fear uh, because that's the way Orthodox Christian belief is portrayed. Uh, Another set, on the other hand, of fears is that we'll compromise at the very place where the world is making uh, its most profound assault on the church and our culture. And uh, compromise is not a a, a chimera. It's not a false fear. We've seen Christian church after church in the 20th century fall into compromise uh, uh, to the sexual revolution. Churches you would have never imagined. Uh, Perhaps even more subtly, um, they note that there's a fear even that that makes some folk intransigent because they're afraid that even in the most subtle ways they'd be sowing the seeds of some future capitulation. They'll have let the guard down a little bit and it will <coughs> fall altogether, uh, which is a very nice point. The, the road to capitulation is usually paved uh, um, over a long stretch. Um and the, the last point is very, very powerful and I think worthy of our consideration at some length, and we will throughout our study. They insist that, that the Bible teaches that the natural family is the fundamental unit of human society and the normal means of care and nurture. And because of that, all sins which threaten to do harm 
are extraordinarily spiritually dangerous. And further, they're detrimental to human flourishing. Um, That last point is so important um, that human beings can't flourish apart from that order because that's the order that God created us to flourish in. And therefore, it's out of love for the good of others and the needs of others that we would want to bear testimony to God's wisdom in it. Well, as I said, they they nicely noticed that some have uh, fears of one sort more than the other, but both the pastoral and the polemic are required of us as Christians. And they bring uh, to bear, I wonder before I get to their solution, any thoughts or questions about um, anything I've just said there. Let me give you a chance to jump in on any of this. All right, seeing none then, um, the committee nicely brings in Sinclair Ferguson's relatively new book called The Whole Christ. It's a study of uh, the great controversies concerning legalism, legalism and antinomianism uh, in the um, so-called Marrow Controversy in the Scottish Presbyterian Church. Um, and um, Dr. Ferguson argues that the gospel is spoiled uh, in two ways, typically, either through legalism, that is the view that I can earn my salvation, or antinomianism, uh, that's summed up in the great little poem Free from the law, O blessed condition, I can sin all I please and still have remission. Um, and he, Dr. Ferguson notices that, the, that there's a, 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 a common way of responding to those problems. He calls the, the dose to heal problem. If you've got antinomianism, you need a dose of legalism to sort of swing it back into place. If you've got problems with legalism, you need a dose of antinomianism to uh, try and counteract that. And Dr. Ferguson insists that's absolutely wrong. That is not the gospel method, but rather the gospel method is to set before the world, to have the church set before her own eyes, the whole Christ, that um, Jesus, in his preeminent ministry on the cross, both fulfills the unyielding demands of the law and at the same time supplies the most wonderful, uh, uh, accomplishes the most wonderful purposes of God's love. Uh, These are both summed up in the whole Jesus, the whole of who Christ is. And so the remedy is to present the whole Christ, um, whether we're pursuing the calling to pastor or whether we're calling, pursuing the calling to be polemicists. Uh, they remind us that Jesus is full of grace and truth. And any, in any alleged pastoral care that applies the truth so harshly as to be callously alienating, uh, well, it leads to the truth never ever being grasped, and it becomes a bludgeon that does harm to people. 
And and so this concern for the whole Christ um, being presented in a defense of the gospel, in our duty to speak the truth, in our duty to have pastoral care and understanding, um, this has given form to the 12 statements that you'll will come to beginning uh, next week. And I hope you'll be looking carefully to read them in light of this provision, to see the whole Christ and what it is they articulate and how they are uniting grace and truth uh, in what they're putting before the church. And so they say on page five, each statement is dual, associating one truth with a concomitant truth or teaching. The aim is not here to achieve some kind of abstract intellectual balance or third way, but rather to show the path of theologically rich pastoring. The paired truths will help the pastor to avoid the opposite errors of either speaking the truth without love or trying to love someone uh, without speaking the truth. So uh, this... um, is an extraordinarily difficult undertaking, not only first to get the ideas into our head, uh, but um, to uh, then learn to live by them. But they testify that, in fact, in in pursuing this course, the committee itself was astonished to find uh, a greater degree of uh, unity and oneness um, than they could have ever expected. Uh, and so their prayer for us as we undertake this study is that we'll too, we too will find the unity of the Spirit and the bonds of peace. Um, well, that's our introduction to what we'll be about in the days ahead. Um, questions, comments um, that you'd like to raise? Anyone? How many of you had known of this report uh, before seeing it here? Could you do that little hand up thing on uh, reactions? I don't know why I'm in the not in the gallery view. I can't. Hmm. I don't see any hands anywhere. Did anybody? <laughs> oh, there we go, Bonnie. Yes. And Connie. Hello, Connie. <laughs> Wonderful to have you on. Um, all right. Um, uh, any questions or comments? Yes, Bonnie. Hey, yep. This is Bill. Um, you, when I think about uh, Dr. Sinclair Ferguson's point here, um, and the, the goal of the committee. I'm sort of struck by the fact that um, we rarely, if ever, get a chance in one, in one encounter to portray the whole Christ enclosed in the whole gospel. Mm. And that our and that our interactions with the world are are um, often brief, maybe episodic, maybe sporadic. And and it, but if they're watching our lives, 
think the teaching of the Apostle Paul in particular is that um, the way we carry ourselves, the way we go about our calling is um, the means by which others will see that whole Christ. Mm. Um, but um, I know for one, I've never... I've never had that perfect polemic opportunity to explain everything all at once. And uh, so it's sort of humbling to think of it that way, but also um, motivating to uh, make sure that our lives are uh, characteristic of this. Yeah, boy, that's a a wonderful point, Bill. And um, I do think that... um, I think this first ought to be for us a challenge because in however um, short passing um, to have in mind that whatever truth I'm speaking, I need to find a way to show that it's because I have a deep desire for the good of the other person. Not to win an argument, not to show him up so i i and and that's as much a matter of the sensibility of our communication and the way we choose the words we do and i think that um but it's tremendously challenging um but it's also uh you know the spirit of god uh, who gave that truth and who loves to see it honored is at work within us. And so we can certainly hope and pray for it. The, the, the second thing that occurs to me, I remember Oz Guinness um, saying that, uh, you know, I first went to Labrie. It was especially a time when the apologetic arguments um, among Reformed people were really heated up and, uh, someone noted that Calvinists were really more interested in, interested in arguing about apologetic method than they were do, doing apologetics. Um, but uh, the uh, one of the things that was so refreshing about Oz um, was he saw it as um, the the whole matter as diagnosis and remedy uh, that and then he used a different it's like being a detective it's to listen so carefully is that you could find the clues for the place that was most needful to be addressed in this person's life just now and I've always thought that was a very powerful thing too that um so that that might mean that in a given encounter, there's more of one thing than the other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that that's all right if you've if you've thought carefully and listened and and you've thought now this is just what it needs now. But that's a great point to raise, Bill. Thank you. Anyone else? I finally got it so I can see hands again. I, I, I had the, my wrong, wrong screen up. Uh, 
instead of the uh, gallery. So, anyone else like to get a word in? All right, well, I'm grateful that uh, you're all here. I hope you'll, as much as possible, be able to continue on. Uh, do, uh, and I encourage you, um, email me to get the syllabus and uh, uh, if, you, if you didn't get it. And uh, also let me encourage you to, as we had done with Concise Theology, they've got a lot of good scripture texts cited in these paragraphs, and it would be great for you to look them up and reflect on them as you're looking at the way they think they can be summarized. Um, but with that then, uh, that'll be the beginning of our study. Let me close with prayer. Father, what a wonderful note to end on, this wonderful insight that the whole Christ is what we have to offer to the world. The Christ who uh, knows that sin must be atoned for that justice must be served, and yet who is so full of love that the whole of him embraces that, and that turns out to be for the salvation of the world. And so we pray that we would heed this challenge again to speak the truth in love and uh, that this would guide our endeavors in learning and how to think and speak about these subjects. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.